here we are, and welcome to a very special episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. Instead of introducing my amazing sisters, who are in fact here, I'm actually going to cut to introducing and welcoming the newest sibling in the Friday Night Movie family. She's being upgraded all the way to sibling. She's an actor, a writer, a producer, an improviser, creator of Fortune Rookie, star of Stand Against Evil, voice of Korra, host of the groundbreaking podcast, The JV Club, and founder of SFS Sketchfest, uh, SF Sketchfest, the great Janet Varney. Welcome to Friday Night Movie. Um, hi, Shy. I am also going to be providing a buttery voice for the <laughs> of the podcast. Uh, as you know, I'm very competitive, so I intend <laughs> to out-butter you. Um, thanks for having me. Well, Janet has now won the podcast. That was like those butters that have like rosemary and stuff in them, like very That's fancy right. butters. My, That's right. My, Fully my, melted. My mom, Fully, my, yes, mom a melted the, my mom does the same thing when she's on the podcast in the Spanish which is very funny uh she'll she'll also make fun of my voice so you really <laughs> the right family zinger really makes you part of the family so janet oh welcome. good thank you so much for having me guys um it is it, you know the first time I, I met you at awesome con a couple of years ago and but had but had also we had had some exchanges in the internet world over the Korasami love is love uh uh campaign that you've done in the past and uh you're just a great human and we love we love the fact that we're going to get a chance to chat with you and have you play along on the show so this is this is really exciting it's a milestone for the pod oh well thank you for having me i always enjoy seeing you and your beautiful wonderful family uh when we do cons so um it's nice to be acquainted now with the extended family and speaking of the extended family we have Becky, uh, the youngest, has been out for a, a couple of episodes. When we last recorded as a family, it was on Thanksgiving, and Becky alluded to the fact that she had to go somewhere about a half hour after we finished recording. And that she was going to win your birthday. And that's true. That was on my was, birthday. It was, we recorded on your birthday, and I had this awesome gift, and my husband like, did this amazing martial arts video for you for your birthday, and it was like so fun. I was really winning. And then Becky alluded to the fact that, don't worry, guys, she was going to when your birthday so back. so proving once again to be the least prepared but most hardcore podcaster of the three of us <laughs> I fair went, description i went immediately from our recording to the hospital to have a baby Whoa. <laughs> and i gave on shy's birthday a baby i mean i didn't oh. give him a birthday i gave him a birthday twin for his birthday and a niece you just like and gave a Niece. Niece. And a beautiful little niece. So I had actually found out first thing that morning that I needed to have my baby later that day. Oh um, my surprise, went to a doctor's appointment and was told, this little thing's got to come out of you now. So I had like a few hours oh, to wait, go home. I have to podcast. I like literally, that's what happened. I like went home, packed a bag, did some like laundry and then recorded a podcast and like went and had a, a c-section <laughs> that wow. was my and you didn't say anything to these guys they didn't know no that that was they knew we just didn't talk oh, okay. about it on the pod because gotcha. we have to keep the fans coming back episode to episode and so i felt like if we revealed it right then then people would be like great now we know the big news uh, and i didn't want to totally one up shy on his birthday i wanted to like still let him yeah. have the glory of it being his special birthday recording so um, now I will never forget 
November 27th, which has been known to happen in the past. But I'll definitely remember your birthday from now on. Um, and you have a new little niece. Sunny has entered the world. And she's a little bit over a week now. And she's doing great. And we're both home. Just the and... fact that you're podcasting a week after having a baby. <laughs> well, I got actually got upset because I thought Shy record. I thought you guys recorded episodes without me. And I had like a mo- I got like really testy for a, a minute. <laughs> yeah, but still, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so so Janet, th- th- you are also very lucky. The first time Becky had a baby during the recording of the podcast, which is a couple of years ago, uh, Becky came. We we actually recorded a few days after she delivered the baby, and she was extraordinarily dosed on painkillers and decided yeah. to give a thirty-five minute review of the movie Valerian. <laughs> I have no recollection of any of these events. By the way. So long. I don't and remember. Made no sense. Well, and we felt so bad that we couldn't stop her. During my C-section, I was talking so much and getting very agitated that the anesthesiologist actually just knocked me out (laughs) once the baby was out of me. Once once they took the baby out and I, like, met the baby, I was getting, like, a little bit testy during the procedure. So he said, hey, do you want something for the anxiety? And I said, yeah. And then he just knocked me out because I don't give him pissing everyone movie, off. Be movie reviews because, I mean, my God, you're doing much I, better this time around. I am. I'm off the painkillers. L- everything's great now. L- Lily definitely said to me, she goes, so what you're saying is you're, you're playing with fire. You are going to have, you know, one of the, you know, podcasting. Most prestigious world. guests on our podcast. On Becky's first episode back from pregnancy. So, Janet, we are lucky that. We're, also, we're playing fast and loose with Beck here, though. I'm just oh, warning you. Great. Yeah. Anything could happen. I mean, I would not have it any other way. Well, Becky, do you feel, are you in that, like, and I don't have kids, but um, are you in the sort of, like, first week, like, it could be any day, any time? Yes. Like, there's no sense Becky 100% thought we were podcasting tomorrow. I didn't even <laughs> know I, today was Sunday. I have no I, sense of time or space. I was like, no, it's today. She's like, every day is today. What do you mean? <laughs> like, there is no I, day, I, night. I'm I'm newborn jet lagged. Like I have no idea. That's what, exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's 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 a very specific type of jet lag. It exists. I'm newborn jet lagged. Listen, feel free to mute me at any point, Shay. You know, you know, I do. Well, I, I well well while Becky's been having a baby, Lily and I have had the most amazing time. Really, like diving. I mean, I I'm a longtime fan it's of like, all of your work. I can't, I'm so proud of myself, but also so embarrassed, but also so proud of myself. I don't think I've ever consumed at this amount of content <laughs> in like a span of time, but like oh, no. so vigorously that I said to Shy, I was like, first of all, I think her and I are friends. That's a problem because <laughs> not. I mean, I don't know her, even though now we're siblings. And I was like, I feel like I can like inside joke, do like inside jokes with her and stuff. And, um, We've never met because watching you on TV and listening to your podcast, and I had, I of course had heard your podcast and I'd seen you on television, but I guess I spent the last like 10 days (laughs) quite immersed. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then I said to Shai, I was like, I, at one point I said to Shai, I don't even think we need Jenna for this episode. I'm pretty sure I could just do it all. Well, Lil, with I've that in mind. Of, yeah, I've queued up a series of responses that I think Janet's already, she's had to other things. And so exactly. I'll just be hitting a keyboard with like what I think Janet would say. 100%. Old yeah. I will say though, Shai and I had, we had so much fun texting back and forth. While just like watching simultaneously all I, I of your do content, want you to know I have I have I've also seen your content <laughs> and shows, and I did. You've been busy. I am a fan. I know. Um, so all Lily, right. why don't I give Lily the first question? Because you have oh you have worked I so hard on just, this this week. I don't even know what the. Oh my god! Don't don't do all right, that. I'll, can I'll, go first? Because I I have a all right, first go question. for yeah, it. Betty. I, I feel, I I my question. my first question actually comes off of Becky's. So, Becky's so first. um, first of all, I will one hundred percent say. Uh, a amazing Rex RX, which is a thing we do if you need a rec- like a prescription recommendation. Fortune Rookie is like if you are having a sick day, a tough day, you need just like a little hit of something to cheer you up. Fortune Rookie has like saved me this last week with Aww. my like raging hormones and just being like crazy. And I like hide in my room and I just like watch an app and I'm like, okay, I can do it because uh, it's so it's so funny. But my question about the show is you have so many wonderful guest stars in it. All of these character actors or these comedians, some bigger profiles, some smaller uh, like pe- people that I feel like are better known or that are less known that are more known for, like I said, for his character actors. Um, throughout the, the 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 first season of the show and I'm wondering um, how how do you get all these people to participate in it um, or how many of them are part of your community of friends and collaborators and how many of it and how many people are you kind of just cold calling and reaching out to and your and what's your involvement your personal involvement in recruiting all these hilarious and wonderful people to collaborate and be on the show uh, great question. The answer is 100% are all people that I know and I'm friends with. Uh, zero are people that I didn't know. Um, I got some really fun friends, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. It's 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 definitely one of the, the benefits of being in the kind of comedy, you know, alt comedy community or whatever you want to call it. But um, it's it's such a group of people who, you know, have various projects happening at any given time, be them large or small. And I think when you've done, you've sort of, when you run the gamut of doing a little of all of them, if you like the person that, that is doing it and asks you to do it, um, you go because you think it's going to be fun. You know, you sort of go knowing, like, I don't, I didn't want to ask anyone that I really felt like they would be like secretly rolling their eyes and going like, Oh, I got to do this favor for her or whatever. I really Mm -hmm. wanted it to be, I wanted it to be fun for people. And, and by and large, um, almost every character was written for the person who, who did it. You know, obviously I couldn't, I knew I couldn't do anything with, with James, you know, I couldn't do that plot unless he, um, was wanted to do it and was, you know, was on board and, and, you know, people like Gary, uh, Gary Anthony Williams, um, who's the cult leader, and and Brian oh Husky, and people like that. It really was that's just like so funny. What can we? What yeah? What can we do? That's like it's not too heavy, not too heavy lifting, because you you don't. Again, I didn't want people to be like, ugh, here we go. Um, and so you know, it's like, what can you knock out in a day uh, with most of those people? And and you know, 
is it going to be fun for them? What kind of character can we write that will be fun for them? Same with like Steve Ag, you know, wanting really from the beginning wanting to get him into like a little ice cream uniform. Um, <laughs> that's one of my favorite. I mean, that bit is so good. It is so funny, and the way that you guys play on the LAisms, the ice cream shop scene with like a breath of a flavor, <laughs> I, I, it, uh, I, it is. I think it is really challenging to to make those those comments on LA new and original. And I was, I was the tears. Oh, yeah, I was crying. Oh. Well, I well I, my follow up question to that was. I had to assume, but I, I wanted to kind of hear you explain how the whole you and James bit and, and on for the, show. the listeners, James Roday, who is the lead in Psych, which everyone has heard me recommend a hundred times, is one of my favorite shows. With that show. yeah. um, I mean, he's great, and that that was definitely my favorite bit throughout the whole thing. And you guys, I mean, the the amount of ways he refers to your name. <laughs> like I, I was, I'm watching, I'm like, they have to be friends. I mean, you can't just write yeah. that. Like that was yeah. just your chemistry with him is great. Thank you. Yeah. That was really, um, I, I those guys, Tim, uh, Omenson and, and James Roday, I met, um, many, many years ago. I did a episode of, I don't know, God, they did so many seasons of that show. I'm not even sure which season it was, but it was for me, I mean, it was probably more than 10 years ago or something, which seems insane to hear myself say, but, um, but they shoot up in Vancouver. And what's so wonderful about that, that group of people is that they're so welcoming. And um, they're, I think they're very picky about sort of who they cast because they kind of know like this person is going to sort of be a part of our family temporarily um because you're you know you're you're transporting someone i mean i think i was in vancouver for like a week and a half or something I mean, it was really like 10 days of being in vancouver because of the way they shoot and so um it was you know they're they they kind of want to be able to say to people like hey come have dinner with us afterwards or you know because you're sort of so in this nice. this different city yeah and so, um, and, and I can't remember the order, but my friend Maggie Lawson, who's also one of the leads on the show, coincidentally, she and I got cast in a movie together. And I can't remember if we met on the movie or if we met on Psych. That's how close together they were. But um, so she and I had become close. And, uh, and then just, you know, hanging out with, with the gang, um, specifically with, like, uh, the, the people who didn't have families, like Tim... Um, and the other wonderful woman whose name I am not remembering right now who plays the chief. Like they both would fly home um, to be with their families, which I thought was so amazing. But like Dulé and Maggie and James, um, especially like, and, and some of the writers would just like get together and play get board games and stuff. Like they never got sick of each other, which I thought was so charming <laughs> and wonderful. But sounds like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, sounds right to say that it really pretty is. much sound making really Hollywood was. TV shows. It, was, it really, like, really was like, it, it was, that was a hard one to leave. It was a hard one to leave because, because they were so welcoming and stuff. Um, so we had just, we just stayed friends and, um, and like many friendships in Los Angeles that I think people on the outside um, uh, ha feel some contempt for because they think that like, oh, well, if you're if you're close, you'll see each other all the time. But this is such a weird business. 
and there's so much there's so many people traveling and you yes you have to drop everything you know in an instant because suddenly the next 10 weeks of your life become about something completely different and so there's a lot of like flakiness in LA that um I think from the outside looks like it's superficial or that people don't matter to you. But in reality, it's just that everyone has to be that flexible and no one can take it personally because that's sort of how it is. So it's like, I can say like, yeah, Gene's a friend of mine. And someone would say like, when did you last see him? I'd be like, oh, two years ago. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but like, <laughs> it's the, but it's the kind of town where if you bond with someone, then you know, that bond has to sort of sustain itself while everybody's off doing a million different things. And so I called him and said, you know, this, um, I, I'm, I'm writing this thing and I want to write you into it. Um, do you think you're going to have time? Like, what's your schedule like? And he was like, let's make it happen. He'd already started shooting the, um, the new show that he's on, um, that I wanted to call better things, but that's absolutely not what it is. Cause that's Pam Malay Adlon's show. Um, but, uh, but he, he was like, I will figure it out. Like, uh, like let's, yeah. A million little things. A million little things. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, that's understandable that I would call it that. It has I things like in his it. character on fortune rookie will appreciate you not remembering. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it really so, works with right. your guys' characters. So another we, besmirching of my name. Yeah. So <laughs> as a, as a podcast host, uh, your podcast, the JV club, which I, I think, I mean, I think is one of the trailblazing podcasts. I think in terms of the, you're up to what, 400 episodes or, or close to 400 Holy. episodes? Yeah, I think it's in the 350s, uh, something like that. Which, which the premise of it for our listeners, although again, I've talked about it many times, is you bring on uh, during the year, during the calendar, the regular school year, I guess, uh, mostly <laughs> amazing women. And you, while you, who are, happen to be are artists creating things, and, and uh, some famous, some lesser famous, but you, you focus in on the teenage years and the awkwardness of the of the teenage years, and um, and in terms of an interview show where there's two famous people sitting together, what again I find so trailblazing about it, it is not just you sitting with a famous buddy and talking to them about how awesome they are. You have this amazing disarming way of, of welcoming someone into your house and it feels like we are getting a seat at the table with you and a good friend and um and that and that is uh, you know and and you tackle so many difficult and fascinating issues in people's history we listen to a whole bunch of interviews in preparation for today so we're podcasters you, we we have you here cornered what is your approach to interviews for the for the jv club how do you get people to feel so comfortable on something they know is going to be pushed out on the air? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I think um, what is uh, what is kind of maybe a, a sort of lame answer, but um, is that I, I, I only um, I never thought about it. Uh, I, I don't I it was one of those things where sometimes and I know you guys all are extremely bright and you have your own issues with anxiety. Um, that, so you probably know as well as anyone that, um, that sometimes you over, if you overthink things, you'll just stop yourself and you'll paralyze yourself and you won't ever do it. Um, and so I, I know how I work I generally that. just describe yeah, right? myself. I mean, it's, like an MO. <laughs> it's my child. Um, that's, I, you yeah, <laughs> I get it. I fully get it. I, and, and so I think for me, 
Um, I could very easily, even back then, uh, when there were many, many fewer podcasts and it was male, largely male dominated, um, I still had a feeling of like, if I, if I really grind my, myself down into a fine powder going like, okay, I'm going to do it like this and then I'll, and then I'll do this and then I'll see, I should saying. probably take this this way. And so for me, it was like most of the stuff that I feel like I've been happy with or, or have been proud of or something like that, that's come from my own brain, not um, collaborating with other people. It has been a thing that has felt fairly effortless. And that doesn't mean that once it's happening, it's not hard. But um, I don't remember I wasn't I don't remember like really chewing over a bunch of different things that the podcast could be about. I don't remember like, you know, it was like it, natural. It, 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 it was very natural. It was very it was just the feeling of like I keep t I keep telling people that I feel like this that that L.A. is like high school. I just keep I keep having this feeling like I go into a room when it, you know, I go into a casting room and I'm surrounded by all these girls that I probably would get along with great, but we're all in competition for a thing. And, you know, I'm worried about whether I'm wearing the right clothes and, and just all the stuff that I had never, I had just not, I was, it was not a part of my life in San Francisco at all. And so it really was a thing where it was like, I, if I keep making these comparisons, then clearly I need to make some kind of peace with it. And maybe it will help to hear other people feel the same way. And then that just organically evolved into like, well, then I would, but then we should talk about what we were like as high school students. Like we should talk about what our teenage years were like and how much we feel like we've outgrown it and how much we, you know, we're surprised to find we've held on to and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and then in terms of like just the interview stuff, that's just me. I mean, I, that feels like I'm patting myself on the back. It's not at all, but it's, it's just know your strength. Pat yourself right? on were, the back. Well, Great. I mean, I, I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, my God, she won't shut up. Like, you know, why doesn't she carry gross this and just ask questions and not blab about herself? So, you know, sure uh, but that's everyone's cup of tea. But I'll just say no, that's part of what yeah. makes the show great is that yeah. you are such a piece of the fabric of the show. Well, I think if you can't, if you're not willing to be vulnerable with a person that you're asking to be vulnerable with you, I, I would feel uncomfortable with that. And so I guess that's kind of goes back to like you just do be who you are, you know, don't. I, there are many ways of podcasting that I would not be good at because I would, you know, if I, if I had to work really hard at it, maybe I'd get good or, or be great one day, but I, um, I, I don't trust myself to put that much effort in. <laughs> uh, and, and, and also I don't trust myself to not overthink stuff. So it really was like, you know, this is, this is, this is how I know how to interact with people. And, and if it turns out that that's disarming in some way, then, then thank God, but um, but I, I don't think I thought much about it going in. So I, I, I just want to say I like the, I like your distinction, distinction between not overthinking and preparation. That's not the same thing. Yeah, very true. It is not, and I, I think that really comes off well because it's one thing is to not overthink. It doesn't mean you didn't prepare and that it doesn't you know come off as serious. Um, but the, the not overthinking is a great point because it seems from the outside as an audience who listens, I think it, it seems very natural. And like Shai was saying, we get to be part of that. It's very cool. So speaking of vulnerability, this is um, something that we have, I would say we've talked about in lots of different ways, mostly making fun of each other. Um, but it's a serious issue in our family is anxiety. Um, I, I was telling a story to my wife yesterday um, 
uh, about how there was a time where I was taking a, a math test and I had I had had a perfect grade every single test of the semester until the midway point till the till the till the uh, midterm and I knew everyone knew I had had a hundred and for me anxiety is at its worst after success not not mm. at, not and that's not the kind of anxiety I have and and I and I literally <laughs> went blank yeah, like yeah. I wrote my teacher a note on the test and said I mm-hmm. physically can't continue this I'm so oh sorry um, yeah and and thus I'm was one successful. of a watershed moment in my life and sort of a very long, um, uh, a long and I think really successful, uh, um, uh, I wouldn't say battle, battle's not the right word, adaptation to being mm-hmm. uh, anxious. And then Lily, I mean, I don't know how much you want me to say about you, Lily, but like Lily didn't leave the house. Yeah. yeah. I would say like my anxiety bordered on probably agoraphobia. Sure. Yeah, you could say that. Um, but it did Was not something come... that, that precipitated that or did it my it mom... something like that? I was born with it. Is that yeah. like, do you mean like, was there an event that occurred? Yeah. yeah um, I didn't know. If there I guess was maybe birth. Yeah. My mom birth. leaving Being the separated womb. from. I guess mom. it just yeah. would have just stayed in the uterus. I would have been happy. Um, my mom is convinced. And it's not like we talk about reincarnation in our house very often, but my mom, since I was a little girl has told me you, that I must have lived another life or something because mm. the amount I was anxious and the things I was anxious about did not there was no a life event that warranted it and she Mm -hmm. actually had from the outside looking in like a bit of a traumatic uh, childhood our mom she's like a refugee from Cuba who came to the states uh, with nothing with her family and like lived in like 50 different apartments her whole life and um had you know a a tumultuous upbringing and she was like I'm cool what is wrong with you like (laughs) my biggest deal is that I moved from Philadelphia to Montreal as a kid (laughs) and had no other issues (laughs) and so yet like I suffered like really bad anxiety and the ironic thing is that I every the, the big joke was that I would have lived in my parents house like I never would have left I would have just been happy living or by living next door to them um, and then somehow I'm in the middle of on an island in the middle of the Atlantic in near Africa, um, mm-hmm. in Spain, and I live the farthest, which is the irony. And but the thing is, I can't really think about where I live. If I do, I start to get anxious. So I just don't think about it. This is just where I live yeah, now. And then, <laughs> and then, and then I, yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say. And I've adapted. I've also I, I still have anxiety a lot, but I, I in general, like I said, I, I, you know, have adapted to mine. And and I just want to say, as people who deal with anxiety, when I was when I was a teenager and I had this moment and I wrote this note to my teacher, the shame that I felt and that I thought I was nuts, and now mm. to hear your podcast where you talk about yourself, you talk about other people, yeah. and I, it, I'm so grateful for me and for anyone else in this time because uh, the conversation around anxiety has really changed as someone who has her own issues with anxiety how do you feel the conversation around anxiety has changed from your early days to now yeah i mean that's that's one of the things that has been so uh amazing about the podcast is that is you know as time has gone by and i've had people that i that i did know you know or thought i knew or you know acquaintances all the way to people that i've never met that now you know i'm publicists pitch me people and um and and the amount of people who who tell me that they've experienced or are experiencing anxiety um from some you know from one time in their lives or they've always kind of had it or you know they just started experiencing experiencing stuff like that 
it, it, it's amazing. I mean, I don't know what the number, what the, you know, sort of percentage of the people I've interviewed, but I feel like it's a real good percentage of people who experience some kind of anxiety or depression that they, you know, that they are willing to have a conversation about on some level um, on the podcast. And, uh, and, and some come as total surprises to me and even people that I, you know, that I think I know, um, if they've, if they've sort of adapted, like you guys were saying to it, then maybe it isn't a part of regular conversation, but when you start digging deeper into someone's past and, uh, you know, we all know that, that for some people that, that adolescence can be a, a, an interesting trigger for anxiety that you didn't know you had before, um, and early twenties and stuff like that, that, that it's that it definitely feels to me now, uh, to your point, Shy, that that people just feel okay. Uh, and now I, I'm talking about a, a pretty specific bubble, I suppose, and that you know we're still talking to kind of creative people who maybe have made more peace with being open about their their fragility as being a part of you know their creativity and stuff. I, I don't know that if I interviewed you know a 50 year old man in in like Ohio it, who works in a right. factory if he's going to be you know right ready or like someone <laughs> with yeah. a profession where like they couldn't possibly have anxiety because I also yeah. find that interesting you know like yeah. people who can't admit shouldn't can't quote unquote admit it. Do you ever do you ever have a moment where Lily and I have this expression? Um, it takes one to know one where yeah. an anxious person always... is the only one who can help us work through certain things. Do you have those moments where you, you're trying to explain it to someone who does not understand it? Uh, God. Well, first of all, I think I, I, I really feel like there are so many takes one to know ones around me that I, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think if I would incidentally, accidentally need someone and find out that they, that they couldn't relate. Um, Shy and I, I are like, married to people who I can't say, relate. All three of us three are married us. to people who don't understand what anxiety is. And the number of times my husband has just said to me, well, can't you just choose to not be anxious? Like, just realize that you're not worrying about anything and move on. I'm like, yes, yeah, because anxiety is totally rational. And if I just explain right. it to myself, I'll be able to move on. No, so that's why right. I think how it works. I should have just for moved sure. on. For sure. <laughs> for sure. I've definitely been in a relationship or two where, you know, that's a really, and I'm sure you guys talk about this amongst yourselves, but it's a really interesting um, balance to, to find or to be, or, or, or to find out that you maybe need in a relationship because I've been in relationships with people who are more anxious than me, people who had zero anxiety. Um, and, and I happen to have, and there's a really, and there's a reason that those relationships ended. And there's a really, a reason that I, I didn't have a lot of faith in longevity in relationships. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, and then I found someone who, um, is very even keel. Uh, and I think, on some level could have could have been someone who wouldn't really understand the level of anxiety that that will kind of crop up for me about things that maybe it doesn't seem like it should or, or what have you. But I, I, I'm I'm very fortunate in that he hit, grew up. His younger brother is autistic. And so um, with fragile empathy, X, which is a very specific kind of autism, which okay. is, you know, he's he's sort of not ever evolved beyond maybe a second grade you know, level. Um, but is this wonderful, very, very, very Lenny of Mice and Men. Like, it's kind of silly how much you're like, it feels like he's a literary character. And I don't mean to, I mean, not in the most positive way, like mm -hmm. he's a gentle giant. 
Um, and, but he has, you know, as at that, you know, having that level of autism, he's, he, Brandon was just around a very, very hypersensitive, very anxious, um, kid. And so he and his family, um, are pretty mellow, but they've seen it all. Um, I think that even when I was going to meet Brandon's family, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be so nervous. Like it's your whole family. And I, I feel like I've met the person that I know, like I, I, I know it's just deep down that this is going to be my family. And, um, that's scary because what if I freak out? What if I was like, I mean, right. I really said the words, like, right. what if I have a panic attack in the restaurant? Cause sometimes they get hyperstimulated by noise and I have to like get up and go to the bathroom and like splash water on my face. And he was like, go ahead and try to freak us out. Like, go ahead and try to get us to, to bat an eyelash, but no one will. And there was something so, it was such a relief, you know? And I think that's what I think why, you know, when you have, if you find a partner, even one who doesn't understand necessarily that empathetic yes, level, exactly. but if they can that's, just say, I yep. accept this about you, you know, well, yeah. I've, even I've, that, I've, yeah, exactly. yeah, I've, I've always said, you know, to my sibs and, and to myself, you don't, and my cousins who have anxiety and talking about with like their partners and how they deal with it, with their relationship, because it's when, when you've, I think when you've accepted it and you can adapt yourself to it and you're kind of good on your own, then you got to mix it up with an entire other human being that you're sharing your life with. Things get complicated. And I feel like you, if you're, you're barking up the wrong tree, if you expect somebody who doesn't know how experience it for themselves to understand you because I, it takes one to know one, I think fully. However, as long as they can accept you, support you, get whatever it is you need that don't judge you, then you're good because yeah. the true, true understanding, it's tough to get that like all the way that far. If you've never really like panicked yourself, I think. Um, but the support is like, that's all you need, which is amazing. It's great. So among the things that, cause uh, me anxiety uh <laughs> by the way thank you janet so much for sharing uh all, all of that i think it's so valuable for us and for the people listening um, oh absolutely uh, um uh, uh there are there are also kind of funny things that have made me uh, a- anxious over the years there is a term that i like to use or we all like to use called pop culture anxiety and um one of the the running bits we've had for the last couple of years has been my concern over what's going to happen with this last Star Wars movie. <laughs> uh, but I won't bring that up. I won't bring that up because people are extraordinarily tired of me me hearing it, talking about it. But but I would say like uh, my one of my so a question I want to ask you is you know what is your biggest what are your biggest pop culture anxieties? Mine that I remember as a kid uh, is going to the old video store, Westmount Video in Montreal and Queen Mary, and uh, looking at all of the videos. And, and some of my old favorite movies from the 80s, they would be like dusty, like you'd see weird science and it would be dusty or um, uh, <laughs> the great outdoors. And I would rent them because I felt bad for the videos. Because... Oh. Uh, oh. I I think like as a grown up maybe nowadays since they're it's so are, intense are, are video, yeah. video stores yeah. maybe I watch shows that are my favorite shows on purpose because I don't want them like people not to watch them you know because now like so you do that with food you buy all the ice cream from the supermarkets you're afraid that they're gonna think that people don't like the ice cream <laughs> and you're worried that they're not gonna have okay. it <laughs> but here's the thing here's the thing you I 
a thing in my household that is very well known is that I am the person who always likes the thing that gets canceled. Like I, I have to order my special mustard that I used to buy at the grocery <laughs> store down the street, but I clearly was the only one ever buying it because one day they just discontinued having it. And I would like, I used to wear this like wonderful scent by the company fresh, which is like that. Um, it's a French company. Um, that's been around forever. And, uh, and and I and it was this lovely, very subtle scent, and they they I, I swear to God it was like for the first time ever they just canceled that and they discontinued <laughs> it and every single one of the other scents that they carried they have had ever since for the last twenty years like nothing has changed with that company except getting rid of one scent oh, and no. it was the one I wore and like the one favorite gum I found that was my favorite gum. Like they're like, oh, we're not making this anymore. No one's buying this. So I, I it is a joke in, with, with people who care about me that if I like something, they're it's like, well, be you better buy it up because <laughs> you're not gonna be able to get it anymore. <laughs> That's like shy though. So, he like yeah. buys it out because he's worried. Yeah. You because you do because I I get into this hoarding mentality where I'm like, <laughs> and then one day, and so I was so excited when I found out that I could still order my delicious jalapeno cilantro mustard. Um, directly from the company and then one day I ran hey, out and I Janet I'm go- sorry but you just explained why they discontinued <laughs> <laughs> now hear me out uh, so I still love my wonderful jalapeno cilantro mustard and I went to order it from the company and the company didn't have it on the website and I, lo- I was about to lose my mind and then it just turned out that they just take it off when they don't have it in stock so that you don't like they just put it back up when it comes back in stock oh. But I had like a, it was a real touch and go week there before I found out that they were still going to make it. That's amazing. So do you have a pop culture version of this? Is there a thing like my video store story or or my concern about the The last Star Wars? Should I lose his sleep about the last Star Wars? Well, I think, uh, first of all, that's hilarious because I am not a person who thinks that Star Wars has been consistent enough that I would... (laughs) Uh, that I, I would think that's a fair assessment. Wow. That's a, that's a I good would say comment. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but I would love to hear what you think about The Mandalorian if you've been watching it. It's but also, amazing. Yeah. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's pretty good, right? I mean, it, it really is like straight up great. gunslinger. It, I, I, I went in wanting to hate it because I was so mad over The Last Jedi. And yeah. I just, it's beautiful. That I love yeah, it. We watch it. We watch it with the kids every week. Like it's appointment viewing. It feels like we've got this thing that's bringing everybody together. That's my story. yeah. Brandon. Brandon says he thinks that it's John Favreau was not going to fuck this up. Because, oh, sorry. Screw this up. Because, no, you can. You can. Uh, you can say. Okay. I realize that if this is for your kids, maybe you don't want. But anyway, um, well, we'll be that, old enough uh, to hear us say fuck he, at that point. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but Brandon was like, you know, John Favreau did Cowboys and Aliens, which was so horrible. So. This is maybe his chance to redeem himself. So he's he was he's not he was like going to make sure that it was really good. Um, I, I don't know anything about Favreau, yeah. but I feel like he leads with his heart, and he, he has it, yeah. so much respect for the audience that yes, yes, he just wasn't going to blow it. But I completely so, agree. So what's so your... my, so here's so here's for my version of that. I think this is probably not going to come as a surprise. Is that any time there's a show that comes on that I think is terrific. I don't want to get attached to it because I'm pretty sure it's only going to get one season because <laughs> it's too good to stay on the air. And that, and, and, and I will say 
Um, we loved uh, Counterpart. Loved Counterpart. I, I mean, of oh, course with, I love J.K. With, with J.K. Yeah, Simmons, with JK who Simmons, yeah. was on Quora with you. I just loved that show, and it was so good. And so it was very classy, you know, in terms of, like, like I remember when it sort of, I think it came out right around the same time that Mr. Robot sort of blew up in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to Mr. Robot, but I was like, that well i guess this is kind of disrespectful but i was like that that move that that show is basically fight club with like war games thrown in or something like there's like there's, <laughs> actually there's a, a lot way better description derivative. that should be on the like imdb description of that show that would make more sense it's just very than whatever's up there and yeah and and counterpart felt just very like it it, it it had the same level of kind of depth and darkness and sophistication to it but it felt like its own voice to me and um, and it only got two seasons, and I was just so bummed. I mean, I was excited that it even got two, but um, but that was the situation where I was like, oh, "Come on, really?" And so that sort of reinstigated right. my anxiety about any new show. Is that well, I I'm like, "Well, don't get attached." Right? There are people that don't start shows unless they know in advance there's three or four seasons. That's like true. They, they, they just won't even. They, uh, yeah, uh, they won't bother. Oh, so that's that anxiety. A, that's that's an opportunity though to take a quick diversion to just say, when I see great some, shows get canceled. When I see sucks. some of the shows <laughs> that deal with supernatural or zombies or anything yep. that are appearing all over the place, and while on one hand I am so grateful we got three seasons of Stan, which I think is a modern day horror comedy masterpiece that you were so fantastic in. Um, uh, it, it, it always kind of infuriates me that I'm like, what, why, why is this not just going on forever? <laughs> because Ugh. that show was fantastic. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, Evie Barrett to me is one of the most original and interesting, uh, horror comedy genre characters I've ever seen. Um, well, thank you on behalf of Dana too, I should say, thank you. Oh, and, and we've had Candace Martellaro has been on the show. Uh, oh, who, that's great! Who oh, said, Candace is terrific. Who said amazing things about you? Uh, well, she's she's wonderful. Uh, she was she was so fun to have on. So mm-hmm. I don't really know how to ask you about Stan because I feel like I'm asking about this you know this thing that ended that everybody seemed to have loved, um, other than to just say, uh, if you if you could just briefly reflect on that experience. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I will say uh, that this. I, I, I do feel like, um, you know, you don't want to learn the lesson that you should expect to be disappointed by things. And I think that's a tough thing about L.A. and show business is that uh, you start you, there are so many disappointments that you start to kind of precondition yourself. And then I think if you do that too often, and this is true for any part of life, um, if you prepare right. for that too often, then you just sort of shut yourself off and you don't let yeah. yourself be excited or feel happy or, you know, because it hurts when you care about something. Um but but I do think that just by virtue of ex- like exposure therapy, which again is sort of true of getting older and 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 things like anxiety as well, um, I, I I'm so ready for things not to work out on some level that um, I wasn't the least bit surprised uh, when we when we didn't get a fourth season, um, and I was pleasantly surprised when we got a second and a third season, um, and and while I. I don't want that to, to stop me from getting really excited or really hopeful or really grateful and cherishing, you know, the, 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 the things that are great. Um, I, I, I felt like I rolled with the punches on that one. Like I definitely, um, 
and it was it was sort of nice to find out. We actually found out well in advance of when they publicly announced that there wouldn't be one, which was nice because I'd already I think it gives you the chance to sort of privately get over like, oh, I don't get to do this thing anymore. Um, so that by the time other people are saying, hey, I'm so sorry about the cancellation, you've already processed it on some level. So mm. you can say like, oh, thank you. That's great. Without feeling like you're getting punched in the stomach every time someone reminds you, you know, um, there's some so, distance there. Yeah. I, yeah. It's really nice. It's kind of like, a, I mean, you sort of think of that as like a breakup. I wish people every, it would be nice if everyone had like six months to get over a breakup before anyone knew it was over. So that when people said like, Oh God, I'm so sorry about you too, that you could just be like, Oh, it's okay. Whatever. Um, it's ugly anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was, it was so much fun to do. It was, it was really hard work. It's the hardest I've ever worked um, at, at this particular career in, in however you want to define that, um, just because it was so physically taxing, uh, being in, in Georgia in the dead of summer and, and right. being a kid, a desert kid who doesn't know how to breathe humid weather. So, um, that was tremendously challenging and, but it was also so rewarding for, for that reason. And I got to do, um, beyond, you know, except for Cora, I don't get to do necessarily uh, a ton of sort of actual dramatic acting. And so I would laugh with Dana that, you know, some of the best, most kind of honest acting that I, that I've done have been scenes with John, uh, with Johnny C in, in Stan as, as preposterous and crazy and ridiculous as that Mm -hmm. show was, um, you know, we, we really were grounded in the moments that we were supposed to be emotionally grounded. And so I had uh, a moment, um, second season, I guess the second season finale where Stan and Evie realize that they may not know each other. Um, if he goes and does this thing that he, that he feels he needs to do. And when we were, that was the last, um, thing I shot, I think it was probably the end of the season, of shooting because sometimes you shoot out of order so that's not always the case but I just remember working that night and there was sort of a light rain falling but it was real it was that nice like misty kind of Berkeley rain where it's just like Mm -hmm. I'm it's wet but I'm not getting pummeled and you know we would do the scene and every time we would do the scene together um you know when you when you do a number of different takes there is a risk of it stopping to like it like oh this is gonna stop meaning something to me I'm gonna it's gonna come it's gonna be sort of pat in some way and um and that just never happened it was just like this raw emotional great uh exercise every time we we did it and um and I and I remember driving home like in the middle of the night back to my little uh condo in Atlanta that they put you up in thinking like oh I'm an actor like I, like I allowed yeah. myself to know that and to accept that and to be proud of it. And I feel like I've spent a lot of time doing what I do, um, either apologizing for that or like being unwilling to say that what I'm doing is acting because so much of it is comedy and so much of it is, is easy. And, and, and so it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, it took this one night of shooting on that show for me to kind of like allow myself, like let allow myself to, to, to let that feeling in. Well, I, I mean, it shows, I think however much that's a comedy, the reason why that show I think had such a passionate fan base 
was because the characters and this and this and aside from Dana's you know brilliant creation, you you and John C. McGinley and Deborah Baker Jr. like and, and, and et cetera et cetera et cetera on the cast like brought those people to life in a way that we all like loved them and and again Evie was the emotional center of the whole show so without a doubt um, I would just concur with everything you just said from from the viewer's perspective. Um, uh, very conscious of your time. So uh, uh, I would love to play, before you go, our signature game with you. Please. Okay, please. so we play a bunch of games on the show, but one of them we invented, <laughs> quote-unquote invented, but we did, this is our this is our bit, is called Buy, Rent, and Meh. And it is the <laughs> universal right. rating yeah. system of things for right. our podcast. So I love you, it. If you like it, you buy it. If you're like, eh, you rent it. And meh, meh can have many different meanings. It's really in the way you deliver that meh. So as an, as, mm-hmm. a, as an improviser, you might, you know, you might think about how you deliver your meh. And we'll put, we'll put three, we put three things in front of you. Well, there's different ways we use it, but we'll do this in the classic way. We, we talked about anxiety. You're going to talk about three famously anxious animated characters. And, and we picked animated because, well, I don't know if Cora is, is, I would define her as anxious, although she has some great anxious moments, is I think one of the great animated characters of all time. So we'll play in the animated world here. We're going to buy Renter Meh three anxious characters in animated history and we all get to play that's part of the fun here um uh so uh the th- and you have to assign the value to each one unless you're lily who cheats almost every time yep. uh, shaggy that's how i roll piglet and charlie brown buy rent or met each one of those Does, and my sisters are welcome to go first too if they want to. Okay, I'm buying Piglet because he's so worried all the time. Oh, I just want to snuggle him and tell him it's going to be okay. And I'm going to rent Shaggy because I feel like if he did less drugs, he wouldn't be so anxious. Don't you agree? <laughs> and, and, and I feel like I could like, work it out with him. And then I'm going to match Charlie Brown because he's so annoying. So. I'm com- I concur. You, that's my answer, too. I'm gonna buy Shaggy. He solves mysteries, and because because uh, of like silly me, I'm like Shaggy does drugs. I didn't even know that because I never pick up. I feel like his, his uh, and judgment's I'm, questionable. I'm gonna rent Charlie Brown because I love the peanuts, and I'm gonna meh Piglet because I don't really understand what he's so worried about. Every the heffalump <laughs> is like is not even that, a thing. Piglet uh, and I are very much in tune. <laughs> uh, Janet, how about you? Hello, Janet. Did you mute yourself? So like, oh, this is the worst game ever. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're back and we can see you no we can't but we hear can't you. hear her but oh. she's sitting up oh, she's so pretty <laughs> in real life i'm just saying <laughs> i feel like it's rare that people are prettier like in real life than on tv you can do you by all means tell her that i'm sure she, do you... because becca is such an ugly person that like when i see her on tv like she, i'm like oh that dress is really nice but why does she look so ugly i can you hear me Yes, we can hear you again. Oh, she just comes in when I go, why did she look like, so ugly? Uh, but Lily, <laughs> I, I wasn't talking about you, per se. Oh, Lily, why don't you... Just so someone awful. you play on TV. <laughs> I was saying that I briefly saw you for a second, and I was like, oh my god, she's so pretty. And then I thought, it's rare that people in like real life for a split second will be prettier than I think on TV. And then I thought of your character, Becca, on You're the Worst. 
And even though I, when I see you on that show, I'm like, oh, that those clothes are really pretty or, or she looks really good. But then I'm like, why is she not pretty? And then it's because Becca's like the worst. Yeah. And oh, she's yeah. a very and ugly then, personality is what we're saying. Personality inside. But also I and really, really make that shine. Is what oh, thank saying. you. You make that shine. But I, I, I do not that we're talking yep. about this right didn't now. Even but talk I talk about you're the worst and how I know, like I love that character so oh, much. My God. And it's not even because I already knew who you were and I loved you, which helped me like which actually is the oh, reason I watched yeah. the show. But, but like your scenes are I it's so I don't like let answer the Byrant man. We don't have any more time, but like I do want to know about playing a character that's just such garbage. <laughs> like what that's <laughs> like because you make her so funny. Uh, well, I uh, thank you. I um, I do. It is so fun playing characters like that. Um, I I don't even know. I mean, like I don't feel good being shitty to people. So it's not that it's like I can finally say what I really mean. <laughs> right. Um, right. Like, well, that's a good point though. To- yeah, and also like those characters are so intentionally messed up in the, in each their own way that like it sort of takes the 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 sting out that you know that you're that this this horrible bitchy character is being horrible to people who aren't like amazing themselves. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean it was it was so fun to to play her and and it was always so fun to see what horrible thing uh they were gonna write for me to say next um. So yeah, that was a that was a total joy, and of course, predictably, all of the people who were on that show who played such messed up, awful characters were just the most wonderful, loving family as well, and just a great, 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 great group of people. Which makes a difference when when they constantly have to have sex with each other. So (laughs) right, right. When you I will say when you can stand the person. Shy, I just wanted to quickly say, Shy said to me the other day, I'm not sure there's like an actress like that's, a, you know, that I could say plays such diverse characters, the voice work and, you know, your, your character on Stan and, and then and then you're the worst. Um, and plus Fortune Rookie, my God, that's like a completely different character. <laughs> and he's like, she's so diverse. And I said, yes, but there's something that I, I have to say about you specifically. I always feel like at the same time, I know you like not like I know you personally. I just mean like there's always a little Janet. Which Lily in there. also feels. Lily for also sure. feels. <laughs> I just oh, I do sure. also feel like we're best friends. But besides that, yeah. I would say that you carry a sort of Janetness through all your roles, and it's, that's even there in Becca because I feel like of all the horrible people on that show, she has like a little bit like there's something good in there when she just wants to like make that barbecue her night. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's one right. of the best scenes I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> and she's like, nobody yeah. leave, and I'm like, there it is. There's that little bit of heart. There. Yeah, yeah. We need yeah. your answer to the buy rent mevo before oh, yeah. okay. before we wrap. Okay. Well, I'm gonna ups- I'm gonna. This is gonna be a real upset for uh, the 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 pattern that sort go of with your heart emerge, which is I'm gonna go ahead and buy Charlie Brown. Um, okay. I love Charlie Brown. Uh, I love the whole Peanuts gang. I really feel like Charlie Brown has. Um, so much to offer the world and it's just that people keep it's that thing where you get trapped in the cycle of you act the way people expect you to act because people expect you to act that way so you act that way i think he's trapped and i'm gonna Mm -hmm. let him out uh 
and I'm going to let him be his own fun, whimsical character who gets to actually kick the football. Um, I'm going <laughs> to rent Piglet. Um, I almost would buy Piglet, but that, those characters kind of make me cry because they're so adorable and the whole A.A. <laughs> Milne of it all. Like the whole, Fair. like I remember seeing a card that just had Piglet touching Pooh and, and, and Pooh saying, what is it, Piglet? And, and Piglet says, I just wanted to be sure of you. Oh, geez. And I started crying. I was like in a card store and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I think maybe I can only rent Piglet because it, it, she, Piglet makes me emotional. And then I'm and going to miss Shaggy because I, I, while I appreciate the Shagster, um, I feel like uh, I, would get, I would get impatient and frustrated with him. <laughs> okay. Um, that is so awesome. Okay. Could you just ask Janet about her Rex Rx for when she's anxious, please? I can't <laughs> leave. Oh, yeah, I can't. Sure. I can't hang up this podcast without asking. Okay, so just right, ask. Rx, yeah, no, you go ahead. Oh, just, just okay. So Rex Rx, it's when you prescribe something. When you're mm-hmm. anxious, is there a show, a movie, or something that helps you get through it? The same way Fortune Rookie has helped Becky get through this last particular week. Um, uh, and, and I would yeah. say Shit's and Shai, you Rex, yeah. you Rex Rx, um, you're the worst to me. Yeah, one which day. was well, it perfect was, it was for a very things. anxious week that I, I had. I watched Shit's Besides Shit's Creek. the fact that Janet's on it, I watched Shit's Creek when I was in the hospital on lots of painkillers, unable to move, and I was like, okay, I have like hours to spend. And then Fortune Rookie was really important this last week at home when I'm like off the painkillers. I'm filled with all sorts of postpartum rage and hormones and I need like something to just bring me back to like a happy place in a quick hit. And like so it served a very important purpose. I think, let's see, when I'm anxious um, sometimes I need to I I actually need some sort of catharsis. Um, So I I think I tend to lean towards things that are, that have um, maybe are, are not as uh, they don't, they're not necessarily just um, uplifting, but, but at the, in the end they are, Um, I would say like, I could definitely always watch sense and sensibility. Um, I am so hyper aware of like how perfect it is of a movie in terms of the performances. And like, of course, Emma Thompson wrote the screenplay. So I'm very aware of that in a meta sense the whole time. Um, And, and I just love her and uh, that. And then I also, um, I, it feels weirder now because of the movie, which I never saw, which I actually would close my talk about pop culture anxiety. When a trailer for a wrinkle in time would come on in the movie theater, if I was at a movie, I would close my eyes and plug my ears and go la 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 because I didn't ever want to see any of the characters brought to life under any circumstances. Oh, that's me, a good one. They have to exist only in my head um, because they don't even really have bodies. They don't look like anything. They're just like how you feel in your heart. And I just, I always knew my whole life, I never want to see a, a rendition of that book because no one will ever be able to do it. It's no one's fault. Um, so now it's funny to say it because now that has happened. Um, and it's in the zeitgeist in kind of a different way with a movie that didn't necessarily perform, you know, in terms of what the critics said. But uh, but I can always read A Wrinkle in Time. Um, it was, it's been one of my all-time favorite books since I was a child. And it's, um, it's just like a, it's a real RX for me I there's a character in it called Ant Beast and there's this whole sort of scene where the protagonist who is this very anxious kind of grouchy character anyway um is like really in a, in, in a bad 
place and aunt beast just sort of scoops her up and um, makes her feel okay and so uh that's that's a book that you know makes me aware of like the bigger picture stuff and that it's not just about me and my anxiety and that um you know there's good there's good with a capital g out there that's working to make you know everybody better and and so that's that's um one of the a big one for me that's awesome. That's great. really that, great. Thank you that, for sharing that. My pleasure. Th- thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Before we head out, w- um, you're also on Voyage with the Stars. You're also creating, again, uh, SF Sketchfest, which is happening in January. Is there anything in particular you want to plug or, or get people excited about? I mean, you guys did it all. You talked about the stuff that I love the most. So I don't, I don't know that we've left many stones unturned. I'm glad you brought up Voyage to the Stars because that is um, much like, uh, uh, much like Becky's review of um, Valerian that you don't remember actually ever <laughs> saying. Uh, doing improv into a podcast is so much fun because um, it is really something that leaves your brain like the second after you're finished and so we all the cast all we all listen when the episodes come out we're all really excited because there's enough space between when we recorded it and when they come out that we have no idea what they're about there was a character in last week's episode that was just like a little you know fleeting robot character and i was laughing so hard at it and i could not remember who did it because it's the, the its voice has been altered and i texted <laughs> ryan Koppel, who created i was like oh my god who did that robot voice and he wrote back you you're an idiot it's you i'm so gross i made myself laugh and i was like "Ooh, i'm a fan of whoever did this uh that i i I love that show it is i describe that to podcast listeners first of all it's unlike any other again trailblazing unlike any other podcast i've ever heard or i've ever listened to it's it's seinfeld in space is i hope that you take that i hope you take that as as a compliment i do i do and it is i mean it's bonkers and it's but that's that yeah it's really really fun the people uh on that show never cease to just make me laugh like my face hurts after we record um because <laughs> i've i've been laughing and i'm and trying not to laugh into the microphone and i play a character who isn't supposed to laugh so it's extra challenging you play the computer sorry which is just yeah. the best name for a computer oh it's got like <laughs> sprinkles of douglas adams and sprinkle you know the the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and the voice cast the folks who are on there colton dunn felicia day i mean wow you guys are amazing together um, thank you it's, it's so much fun it's uh, so much fun um well, and where can people follow you uh uh oh boy i forgot about social media i have not been on in like a week um i am at janet it's like a year in social media and i know i know i'm really bad at staying consistent um so becky doesn't Uh, know how to use twitter i love being not on my computer or on my phone i really love not being on it so um but uh yeah so at janet varney on twitter and then uh the jv club on uh instagram very cool. And um, uh, Becky, where can people follow you? At Paper BK Princess on Twitter. And I, li- I tweeted the other day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Shy and I just like talk crap about you or like. And then we have to send Becky the screenshots to tell her. And then I have tweet. to like text Becky to be like, Becky, get on Twitter and look at what we're saying about you. <laughs> um, 
So my and... handle, and just so I don't embarrass myself in front of Janet, I'm just going to explain it real quick. Um, when I was a child, Janet, I when I don't have a middle name, but Becky and Shy do, and so my parents just didn't give me one. Uh-huh. And, um, they both have middle names, and so I guess I felt left out, so I gave myself my own middle name, and maybe because of the Cuban influence from our mom, I decided that that would be Chi-Chi, <laughs> and it has followed me ever since, not by my own, like, wish, but because uh. my siblings failed to remind like to failed to let me forget that that's what mm-hmm. i did mm-hmm. um to the point where becky has her two-year-old calling me chi chi instead of my name oh, that's so wonderful. yes and so uh my handle is uh chi chi plus my husband's last name but because that was already taken on twitter uh-huh. at <laughs> in there because because then it's for corman for my own last name so it's at chi chi C-H-I-C-H-I, K Gomez on Twitter. Okay. Shaw, you're going to have to send me all of these because I don't I don't have a pen and I, I, I'm, I'm going to forget all of these. I, I, I will. And it, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, I and I am, uh, of course, Pancake4. That's Pancake and the number four table on Twitter and Instagram. Friday Night Movie can be seen at Fry Night Movie. Um, not Friday Night Movie, which is what Lily had in her Twitter for a year. On my, in my bio <laughs> for two years, I had the wrong <laughs> podcast um, named. So <laughs> That's how good at Twitter we are. <laughs> at Friday Night Movie. The music, the theme music, which, Janet, you won't hear here, but if you ever, if you listen to the episode, you will, is by yes. is by What Does It Eat? Uh, Janet, you also have one of like the all-time greatest Bye. Love you. Love Bye. You. Bye.